This week on the Borough World Show, we're joined by Holly Davis to discuss profile building, building trust, and sharing resources. This week's show is sponsored by Shopify and Envision. the podcast about user experience, digital strategy, and a whole lot more. Joining me today is Marcus. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Paul. I've got a cold. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. It's I went on holiday. I went on holiday just just for a long weekend to Devon, uh, and th- I got there and I got a cold. Literally, I walk, open the car door. I'm here and I've got a cold. Uh, wow, not funny. Yeah. You sure it's not hay fever? Well, I thought it was that to begin with, uh, but no, it's not. Okay. I'm well, very good. well. Be nice. Uh, we, we, fortunately, we're not in the same room today, which means you can't infect me with your illness. No, it's my son and his girlfriend. They gave it to me. I blame them. Oh, pesky kids. Pesky kids indeed, yes. It's always kids, isn't it? It's like <laughs> when they used to be at school, they were they were basically a conduit for evil kind of bugs. <laughs> yeah, now they're they're in their twenties, they still are. Bless yeah. them. It's because they socialise with other people, it shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> Young people should be quarantined in individual areas and not allowed I'll tell you another really bad place is conferences for this, right? You always go to conferences and get ill with some bug or other because there are all these people from all over the world coming together and bringing their diseases with them i'm going to a conference tomorrow and, t- and taking my disease with me what what conference is that I you w- don't normally go outside no, i don't normally go outside iwmw the, the... oh yes of course oh, the higher education I'm, one i'm envious of that yeah, it's good fun usually anyway do, do you think you ought to introduce our guest paul oh yeah we've got a guest Hello. No, I knew that. <laughs> hello, Holly. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. It's good to be here. Well, it's very nice. Now, talking of conferences, well, that's where we first met, wasn't it? As a, a, a project management conference. It was. was. That, that was the one in Austin, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, Austin. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we've crossed paths a couple of times since, I think. Yeah, we have. And talking of which, that was where I got really ill. <laughs> yeah, I remember you being was, very poorly. I was the most poorly I've ever been at a conference. So, yeah, I came out. I, it was actually uh, one of the – I was standing on the stage giving my talk, mm-hmm. and I actually – there were spots in front of my eyes. I thought I was going to pass out. It I've, was not good. I've been quite ill in Austin as well. Well, yeah, but that's for different reasons. That's alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to South by Southwest, Holly? No, I'd absolutely love to go, but um, no, I haven't. It's a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing good things about it again now. Yes. I went through a, a, a stage of everybody going, meh. Well, I went meh last time I went. I thought, this is too big. First, first time we went, there was probably a couple of thousand people. There were three or four streams, and it still felt really big. And, and then the, I think we went about three or four times. Know, yeah, remember. and the last time there was twenty thousand people there with ten different streams that you could follow, and if you you got invited to everything, but you couldn't get into anything because the queues were so long. It, I just thought, why? What we're doing here? But yeah, I've heard that since they've they've kind of catered for that huge size and, and are doing it a lot better. I'm also gutted that the fact that the last time we were there, rumour went around that the Foo Fighters were the guest at the final party. The oh. final party. And I just thought, yeah, right. You know, the year before it had been a Mexican band. Uh, yeah. yeah. thing against Mexican bands, but they were a Mexican band you've never heard of. And it's like, and the Foo Fighters were going to be playing at, oh, what was that? Stubbs Barbecue, which, which is a thousand people outside. Yeah. And it's like, no, no chance. I'm staying here in the bar wherever we were. And a couple of our guys who we were with went and they came back and said, it was them. Look, here's the pictures. So I've always been somewhat (laughs) gutted by by that experience. (laughs) Bitter and twisted. Yes. You would absolutely love it, Holly. It's it's quite an experience. I mean, to be honest, the best part of it is the sitting in the bar. You almost don't need to buy a ticket for the event. That's true. you know, you just go and you sit. There's a place called the Iron Cactus where, you know, you'll sit on the sun terrace upstairs and drink margaritas. 
and just basically bitch and moan about how hard it is being, you know, a project manager or whoever it is that you're talking to at that time, just <laughs> moaning, moaning about the state of digital. That's yeah. what you're supposed to it's do. It's definitely on the bucket list, so hopefully yeah. one day. Oh, well, let us know. If you, if you have a year where you're going to go, let me know, and I might find an excuse to go to. That sounds good. We be, can moan at it, each other. Exactly. <laughs> which is nice. But I have just come back from a bit of a conference. Um, I've just come back from Hong Kong, which was a bit of an adventure. Never been to Hong Kong. Did I, 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 I must have talked about this last week on the show. I, I don't think you did. No, come, did, I not, did I not ask my obligatory last, question that I always ask, which is, did, have you ever been there, Marcus? Because you've been everywhere. Yes, I have. And that's why I didn't answer that question. So, no, I don't, you, feel free to show off about your staying in the world's highest hotel and all this oh, kind of thing. I just, I, it, was, it was one of those kind of, I can't believe I'm living this moment trip. Because for a start, see... For a start, I w- first of all, I was flying out for a conference for a large insurance company, okay, that were doing a leadership conference all about digital disruption and transformation, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and it was, I was only going to be there three days, and it's a blooming long way to go for three days. So I said, can I, you know, I thought I'd push my luck and say, I'm, I'll go, but I'll fly business class, right? So they agreed to that, which was good, you know, pretty good start because I don't often get to fly business class, despite what everybody seems to think about my life. Um, and and then when when I was booking it, so I'd quoted them a price of how much it was cost going to cost. And I went to book the flight and it said, oh, if you spend X number of Avios points or whatever their British Airways points are, then you could get 300 quid off. And I thought, yay. And then I thought, well, no, because the client's paying for it. <laughs> I'm not spending my Avios points on that. But then I scrolled down to the bottom and it said, for only £300 extra, you can upgrade to first class. Oh! <laughs> so that's what I did. Right. So I got £300 off with the Avios points and put £300 back on with the first, uh, first class. And I came back first class. And Inside. I've never... Oh, it's amazing. I've flown first class once. Oh, shut up. Once, only once. Oh, only once, yeah. really? That uh, surprises me. Uh, and um, I remember having a really bad hangover because basically they just kept every... It was a oh, seven-course yeah. meal. And yeah. Every every course had it, had a different drink that went Yes. And they constantly top up your drinks as well. Mm. And this place had, uh, uh, the trouble is I started even before I got on the plane because I, I arrived really early. I was in there, the first class lounge with a champagne bar and a private room and all these kinds of things. <laughs> and it was just, and so I was pl- drinking then. And by the time I got on the plane and then they keep filling you up. Oh dear. It was not in a good life, way. Yeah. It was. And then on top of that, Holly, it's better. I, the conference was happening in um, the Ritz Carlton um, in Hong Kong. That is the highest hotel in the world, right? So my room was on floor 115. Wow. Um, and when you go up in the elevator, your ears pop, which I just think is awesome. I think that might have made me feel a bit funny. Oh, it was it was a bit peculiar. And then you have floor to ceiling um, uh, windows yeah, on one side. Oh, and then you have a swimming pool on floor 118, which is the highest swimming pool in the world. It was a crazy trip. The amount of money they must spend mine on the on on that conference. You know, just their the the kind of party that they had for their leadership team was incredible. Just it's like a different world. I'm giving up. You know, you know, on my website, I say how I mainly work for not-for-profits and charities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. only Screw insur- that. Only insurance companies going yeah. forward. F- finance, only, Paul. Only, yeah, people with a lot of money, please. <laughs> Those are my new clients. If you're a charity, not interested anymore. Go away. <laughs> no, I don't mean it. Hey, but also they had a really good speaker. Um, a guy, a, a Swedish guy. Um, called Frederick Harron, I think. I don't know how you pronounce it. He's got lots of umlauts and, and funny things on his name. But he'd written a book called The Ideas Book. 
and he's about he talks about business creativity absolute best speaker i have ever heard hands down i was following him and it was like oh shit (laughs) he had them laughing the whole way through and he was just really really good and he did this one brilliant exercise where partway through his talk, he said he was he was talking about creativity. He said, oh, let you know, you, your CEO has told you how important it is to be creative. You've said how important it is to be creative. You're listening to a talk about creativity from one of the leading experts on creativity. It's time for us to be creative. And so he wrote one to ten on a flip chart. And he said, I want you to shout out things that are utterly impossible. Right. So people were shouting out things like time travel and, and, you know, and all these different things, right? So he wrote 10 things down on the list. Um, and he got to the end of it and he said, okay, so we've got a bunch of creative people at a creativity conference talking about creativity and you've all just given me a creative list and you'd all agree that there is an infinite number of things in the world that are impossible. Yes, yes, we all agree. He then puts up a slide that lists every single one of the items that we'd written down. (laughs) Everybody says the same thing. Absolutely fascinating. Brilliant speaker. I'm definitely going to get his book. It's called The Ideas Book. Yeah, I've just scribbled it down. Yeah, Yeah, definitely worth reading. So, yeah, it was a really good trip, basically. Cool. So, Holly, what about you? So, uh, I mean, hello, Holly. I don't know you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're 11 minutes into the show and we haven't really talked about Holly at all. So, uh, I'm, uh, Marcus, I met Holly um, at uh, a conference, yeah, as we've already said. Um, but Holly, I know very little about you, actually, even though we've kind of met and chatted quite a lot. I don't even know where you work. Um, okay, so I work for White October. Um, we're a digital oh. product agency um, based in Oxford. Um, it's about 30 of us there. Um, I work for sort of a variety of clients, um, healthcare, um, finance, education, publishing. Um, uh, and did you say, did you, did, did you say finance clients? Yeah, we have mm. um, worked with some um, uh, uh-huh. so investment online investment clients um do they do they need speakers for <laughs> for conferences anywhere nice no um yeah. not that i'm aware of but um oh. yeah your name will um inevitably come up if i hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right yeah yeah it's, it's, suddenly suddenly you who says you don't like public speaking very much you'd find a way wouldn't you if you got offered a trip to hong kong <laughs> stay in a luxury hotel you'd overcome your fear wouldn't probably, you probably yeah I'd <laughs> So I'm, look, so I'm looking at a picture of the White October team, all in yellow t-shirts. Yeah, can you spot me? Well, you don't, don't know, know what I look like, so that be No, I don't. Which tricky. one are you? <laughs> um, all right, so I'm, I've got to have a look now. Uh, White October. See, now, I'd heard of White October, but I hadn't put them together that that was who you work for. Yeah. See, there we go. Where's the oh, yellow picture? I bet, I bet Holly's... Oh, no, I was about to say, I bet Holly's hiding at the back. Because Holly's oh, like that. No, that, she's yeah. r- right on the front row. Oh, camera shy. Near the middle. Right. Right. So you see the guy in the black and white, uh, black jacket yep. in the middle. Mm. Go two people to the right, and that's Holly. Hello, Holly. Hi. <laughs> You're not waving back. No. <laughs> she's just staring at you, Jay, uh, uh, Marcus. That's so rude. So there we go. So yeah, okay. So that's interesting. And you, you, you're you would define yourself as a project manager or I as would, a, yeah. a yeah, you would. Okay, but does that mean kind of looking? That's do you have account managers as well? Or? We do. We have account managers, um, but they do a lot more than um, sales within White October. So um, they stay um, in contact um, uh, or close to the project throughout the project lifecycle and kind of keep a more high-level picture in terms of um, strategy um, uh, and that sort of thing. So a bit like what Marcus is supposed to do. <laughs> what do you mean supposed to do? Well, you know, I know given your given given you know an option, you'd just drop a client like a stone once they've signed on the dotted line, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, Paul, that's exactly what I'm like. <laughs> so no, yeah, seriously though, you are you would be an account manager, wouldn't you? Yes, that's, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I kind of get involved certainly from a strategy level at the start of projects. 
So, uh, Holly, be honest. Aren't account managers just annoying? Aren't they essentially coming in and interfering at random intervals through the project? Um, Go on, say it. You know you want to. <laughs> Previous experience before I worked at October, um, the occasions oh, where um, that was interactions a... were annoying. But um, no, I, I actually found um, I find when they're involved in the project um, really useful to have someone else there who can sense check kind of approach. Um, and uh yeah have that high level overview of the project and project direction and know kind of um yeah exactly the client's aims and visions for the product project and make sure um the team are kept kind of aligned with those yeah um, it's easy when you're a project manager to get kind of so into the detail of the project um that you sometimes find it difficult to um step away from it and see kind of from a um client perspective um you know how we're doing against their success criteria see now you 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 just turned my very loaded question into a, a brilliant answer yeah i've never had problems at white october and then explained why the role is really good see i can see why you're a project manager you've got the you've got the ability to to massage the truth <laughs> 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 sorry i'm in a i'm in a childish mood today it's because i've been i've just started writing this new book um and i hate beginning the process of writing it makes me hysterical hence the mood i'm currently in have you, have you how many times have you started it and scribbled it all out well actually not not many i'm not a believer in it i take the a- attitude of um i will just write it through once right the, the not the whole book but the, the the section that i'm reading writing and i will keep going to the end because i think um and then i'll go through and scribble it and change it because the trouble is otherwise you start and stop and start and stop and never get going especially with that very first bit so you know I, basically my rule is write it once to begin with which is a very kind of ernest hemingway approach he said to right, writing right drunk edit sober didn't he <laughs> Yeah, which might explain why I'm in a strange mood right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, before we we get on to the questions for today, I just want to quickly talk about our sponsor, Envision, that have joined us yet again. They're really supportive of us um, this season, who's got an amazing suite of prototyping and design tools. Now, I'm going to ask a loaded question here, Holly. Just lie, all right? Mm-hmm. Is, um, is Envision something you guys use at White October? Yeah, we couldn't live without it. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant answer. Well done. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'll find out afterwards whether that's true or not. But for now, we'll, we'll just pretend it's true. Yeah, so it's an amazing suite. It really is a good suite of um, uh, product, uh, prototyping and design tools. We've talked about the prototyping element. We've talked about their free plugin for Sketch and Photoshop, which is just amazing. Um, one of the things that I really like about their the Envision prototypes is that um, you can say say you're working in Photoshop, right? And you create you've created a prototype in Photoshop that you've then uploaded onto Envision, and you are you know your your prototype is now working within Envision. You can continue to edit the source file in Photoshop, and when you click save, it updates the Envision prototype, which just when i first read this i haven't used this bit of functionality myself but when i first read that i was like really that's bloody useful and very clever so i'm quite interested in that feature and if anyone's used that let me know in twitter or whatever because i'd like to know more about that um you can also check out previous versions of your design so it's keeping the whole design history so you've got a basically automatic version control of any prototypes which is really useful if you do multiple rounds of testing and you're iterating your prototype which you should be doing people always iterate um, and then you can revert back to any one of those design states with a single click um, if you want to as well. Amazing set of tools. Now, a lot of um, the functionality is available completely free um, that you can use forever and ever. But if you want some of the more advanced stuff, you can get three free. Why did they have to say three months? <laughs> Now I have to go three free months of unlimited prototyping, mobile user um, user testing, and the boards that I talked about last week. Um, so if you want to get those three free months, go to boag.world forward slash envision and enter the code INV-BOAG. Okay, so that is 
Envision. Please check them out. It's really, I really appreciate it when you guys um, support our sponsors because then I get money. <laughs> well, you know, that's fair enough, isn't yeah, it? They're that flipping. <laughs> yeah, the cost of transcription alone is crippling. Really? Meg, who is now listening to this, charges me a fortune. Good. Oh. <laughs> Well, she does have to listen to us every single week. I know. I, I, I went through the entire podcast last week, and I realise what a saint she is. <laughs> she should be charging me double, but don't tell her. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Right, let's move on to the discussion, the questions for this week. Um, we've got three questions, as always that we're hoping Holly might be able to bring some sanity to um, uh, rather than us just answering them alone. Um, Right, we start with a question from Jeff. Now, this is an interesting one um, uh, 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 from your perspective, Holly, because you you are kind of building a little bit of a reputation within the project management community, right? Um, And you're now known around the circuit. People know who you are. So this question, I reckon, is for you. How can I build a profile as a project manager? Designers have their portfolio. Developers have, I don't know, either GitHub or a side project or something like that. So how can you as a project manager demonstrate your value to both your colleagues, but also to prospective employees or to the community as a whole? What have you done in that regard, Holly? Yeah, I think it's um, a really interesting question because like you said other disciplines um definitely have um ways of gaining that um recognition from the wider industry or from um colleagues but um pms i guess um like who defines the success of a pm it's normally kind of the team or the clients and you don't Mm -hmm. always um you know get that amount of feedback um from those unless you kind of look for it um but for sort of externally to that um it's still not kind of recognize in the industry um as well as it could be um i have been reading netmag for about eight years now and i loved it when you kind of blogged about um uh you know netmag um recognizing um pms and kind of their <laughs> awards and that sort of thing and you know um uh as much as i love love netmag um you do kind of think you know there is this um massive entity of um a project uh, or product development um that includes or the majority of the time includes a project manager um but they're kind of the unseen um and mm. how do we get more kind of recognized for what we do um and I know Brett Harnab was on um, the podcast last week um, and he's actually doing kind of a lot of work within the community to d- define what a DPM does and values. And I think that will really help um, in terms of um, once we have an identity as kind of a group of people doing a very similar mm-hmm. um, job to communicate that outwardly. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... Um, we can showcase our kind of individual goals and values and identity. Um, I do a lot of writing on project management um, and team leadership type topics um, on uh, PM blog blogs like Resource Guru and Team Gantt, but also um, kind of more recently on Medium. Um, and that's really interesting as you blog and um, people start to um, that you wouldn't necessarily would normally think that they would engage with project managers so I've had um, kind of developers and other colleagues um, kind of asking questions and starting to engage um, with project management and process um, in a a way they may not have done before Um, Mm -hmm. but I think another thing is um, sort of attending and going to conferences Um, so um, before I met um, Brett and Sam Barnes I didn't really know that a community um, of project managers existed and Mm. um, I just kind of stumbled across it by attending one of their workshops they did in London about three or four years ago and before that um, I felt kind of like there weren't that many people like me and yet there were loads like all over the world and I think um, having attended or been fortunate fortunate enough to attend as a volunteer um a couple of uh the conferences organized in the u.s 
you know, there's three, four hundred people um, that attend um, that conference, and that's mm. ever growing. Um, I think you know plans to to grow out of um, the US. Um, you know, there's definitely a demand in the UK for more conferences like that. Um, mm. So I think volunteering at um, those events has really opened up new opportunities um, uh, and ways to connect with other um, project managers. We have a couple of Slack channels, um, one in the UK with about 100 people in and then a couple in the US. And it's great to be able to talk um, to other people doing um, the same line of work as you. And then hopefully collectively as a sort of community, we can build up the, the profile and the um, uh yeah, the profile of project management and, you know, what what we do and why we're important in a project. It's really interesting because it, I think there is a, a bit of a stigma that exists around project management that it's not, I don't know, I don't even know what it is. Perhaps it, that it's boring or that it's not a proper digital profession or whatever, which is, is absurd really because the truth is, um, you know, every single one of us, even those of us that aren't project managers, end up doing some elements of project management at some point. Yeah. So it's something that we can all associate with. Yet you get things like, you know, a lot of publications that almost avoid articles about project management a little bit or, or not even project management, but management in general, you know, because that tends to be the kind of thing that I write more about, not project management but kind of digital management yeah and there's almost a resistance in some quarters to that oh it's not some trendy design related thing or some latest development technique uh, and uh, the dot net or the net magazine awards are a great example of that it just seems in- insane to me that that you don't have an award for a well-managed project it yeah. should definitely exist and they haven't listened to me despite <laughs> me telling them so obviously time. now, yeah, but it's great to see, you know, people like yourself, Sam Barnes is another one that, you know, his blog is excellent, um, writing about these things. And I'm glad to see that you're writing for some other third party sites as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and that there are people like, um, resource guru, um, was it them that you said you wrote for? Yeah. Or did I imagine that? No, yeah. yeah. Who, they sponsored the show a, a, a couple of weeks yeah, back. Um, yeah. And, um, you know they're they're kind of actively putting out content in that kind of area which i think is good as well and and it's interesting right the reason we ended up doing this season of the show was because um brett came on i don't know whether it, whether it was it last season or the season before and that actually was the highest um downloads we've ever got on a show right That's higher really than cool. jeremy keith or jeffrey zeldman or anything like that that was the highest one because I think there's a real demand for it. But let's coming back to Jeff's question about building there's there's building the profile of, of project managers as a community and then there's kind of building your personal profile and your personal brand. Is it mainly writing? Is that the main tool that you have, talking about projects and challenges that you faced? Um, it's in a variety of ways. So I co-founded um, with my colleague um, Stephen Thomas um, a PM meetup in Oxford. Um, yeah. And it's those kind of extracurriculum things you do around the edges of work, and that that you do because you want to do rather than you have to do, um, which mm. really I guess shine through to people um, when they see the things we're involved in. Um, so mm. I would say to anyone looking to kind of build their own profile, um, if something like that exists can you attend it if it doesn't exist could you set something up even if it was kind of a one-off informal um meetup that turns into something more more long term Mm. um or can you lead workshops can you do um can you speak at some of these conferences that happen um and also kind of looking at um mentorship you know that's a great Mm. way um to share what you learn um uh, seek to mentor another more junior perhaps um, digital project manager or someone who's entering the industry um, I think as well um, you said about kind of project management sometimes appearing you know boring or um, not very creative and I think it's up to us to make it creative um, mm. so I think you know if you can um, maybe do a 
video resume or, or like showcase, showcasing your presentation or facilitation or reporting skills. You know, those mm -hmm. things that seem quite, um, you know, boring and um, uh, hard to digest and things, you know, can you show them in a way that which is engaging um, and creative? Um, it's, it's quite a challenge, but something um, I think, you know, we should seek to do um, to break mm. down that kind of barrier that seems to exist or that resistant to engage with, um, you know, process or management um, of projects. Um, at Worktober, we set up at the start of the project um, something called a living case study, um, which is just a slide deck, but it includes um, sort of quotes, um, pictures from workshops, um, uh, all those sort of artifacts you gather along the way. Um, mm -hmm. So at the end of the, the project, um, different parts of the company can use it. So it can be used um, as a sort of PR tool. Um, it no, can also be used as a that. client for, um, you know, if they're having to go back to the people who have given them a grant for the project and write a report, they can use it for report writing. But it's also kind of transferring that to, um, you know, what that means for project managers in terms of like, um, you know, a, profile or portfolio on you know what you do how can you use something like that as an artifact to show kind of your um, worth on the project so talking about um, you know the processes you used what worked what didn't work what retrospectives you used how they were responded to by um, you know the clients or the um, project team members you know what obstacles you overcame um, things like that and um, showing you know the more um, human side to day-to-day -day project management, you know, um, showing the good bits and the bad bits and being able to communicate mm. that um, in, a, in a new way, I think. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that um, could be done, but I mm. haven't seen um, many people doing it. So I'd be interested if there's any project managers out there who have um, kind of are doing more than just a um, CV to show um, their work or their projects off. That would be interesting mm. to see. I'd love I, just as the as a the living case study idea. I think it's fantastic because yeah, it's all it it's, it's normally falls to me to write the case studies, and you're thinking, right, eight months ago, what did we do? <laughs> uh, and to have just to have all that as a resource, I, mean, I take take your point that it's a it's an something different. It's a kind of portfolio for for a project manager, but project manager, but just for helping everyone out, particularly the person that writes the case study. What a fantastic idea! Yeah, love it. Really, I is. have a side question which uh, we probably should have done at the start. How did you get in, into digital project management? Um, like most people, I kind of fell into it. Um, so I uh, graduated from UD doing kind of media course um, and then worked for a music startup. Um, and I was working very closely with a digital agency in Manchester, um, building our website for that. Um, so I was doing kind of client-side project management without um, necessarily the job title or the skills, but learned them on the job. Um, right. And then after that, I started a, a small agency doing project management. And it was a steep learning curve for like the first six months to a year, um, getting used to all the different terminology and, um, you know, working with designers and developers. Um, and managing uh, projects was all relatively new to me um, and um, all that comes with that in terms of sort of managing budgets and working closely with clients um, but I just loved it I loved the variety of working on lots of different projects meeting lots of different people um, you know working with teams and um, oh. uh, yeah I love kind of um, that element of project management really but I think the the kind of uh, the unsexy side of it is basically if you if you have the the word manager in your title of any sort then you're kind of i think you're viewed uh, viewed by designers and developers as you know the suits almost and i'm yeah. exaggerating to make the point but i think that's that's why it's it's often hard for you know to maybe get um uh, a publication to want you to write for them or to speak at a, a conference which isn't just about project management is because it's kind of just seen as the, yeah, the unsexy side of of, of um, the work that we do, um, yeah. but it's wrong. 
And I but, think and the also, sort of seen as outside of the team, like I think it's really important mm. for project managers to um, be an essential part of the team. You know, we're not something outside of the, the production mm-hmm. of the team. We are part of that team. Um, and I feel like it's often communicated, you know, project managers are telling people what to do um, and they're um, abstracted from the actual doing of the work. Um, whereas I feel my role is very important in terms of, you know, being involved in um you know, workshop prioritising um, the next tranche of work, figuring out how we're going to deliver it, um, thinking about um, UX. Um, you know, Paul's talked about that at a previous conference I attended, you know, about um, PMs being the last hope um, for user experience. And, um, you know, it's important that project managers don't think of them, their roles as being just defined to, um, you know, managing the project, but being deeply involved as much as they can be in all the other disciplines that make up the project. Um, uh, well, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, and it can go the, the kind of sales way as well. I mean, I, I, I was a project manager, hard to believe, many, many years ago. Um, but I kind of, I kept finding myself speaking to the clients about what's the next project, what, what, what new thing is around the corner. And it's obvious that I should be doing more of an account manager role more of a sales-based role because I was kind of less interested in the thing we were doing and more interested about what was happening next but you are but that I was able to do that because I was you know working with the client every day so you're right project management spans across everything and you should you should be involved in all of it not just you know so and so needs to have this done by the end of the day it's very much a linchpin role mm. isn't it that's why i gave that talk of you know um uh, project managers being the last best hope for for user experiences because user experience as i'm writing in the book i'm written, writing at the moment is this thing that kind of crosses all departmental and disciplinary barriers you know a developer has just as big an impact on the user experience as a designer has as a copywriter has as a marketer has as anybody else has and who is is it that interacts and pulls all those people together it's the project manager mm. so you know in in some ways the project manager is in a unique position um and i you know i really hope that that there is more of a realization of the value that they bring going back to the whole issue of building your own reputation i mean a big part of it whether you're a designer or a developer or anything it's about sharing isn't it it's about sharing what you've learned sharing um, you know, uh, in the developer's cases, bits of code in a designer's cases, example designs, you know, templates, that kind of stuff. But actually, there's a lot of room for developer, uh, sorry, for project managers to do the same thing in terms of, you know, um, template documents that they produce. These things are invaluable. People eat them up because you're not having to recreate stuff from scratch, whether it be a project definition uh, document or whether it be an agenda for a kickoff meeting. But then there's also the other thing is is exercises on getting and ways of engaging. You know, if you look at a book like Gamestorming, was a huge selling book. Um, whose phone's going off? Go on, confess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah marcus you had one job the number of times i've heard him say to guests make sure your phone's turned off <laughs> honestly yeah so you look at a, a book like game storming that's just this collection of workshop activities and that's hugely successful because people are desperate for that kind of thing how to run an effective meeting all these kinds of things so it's a really exciting area and i i think project managers will become a lot more to the fore especially as as digital projects become increasingly complex anyway let's move on to the next question from um daryl snow he says a cohesive team has to be bound by trust each team member has to trust that everyone else on the team is going to pull their weight help out when needed and meet the same level of expectation how can every team member be encouraged to be more empathetic and cont- um, contribute trust to the team as a whole every day to instill mutual confidence and keep projects ticking along? Uh, my kind of reading between the lines of this is I've got a lot of people that are um, just kind of shut away in their own little worlds of, you know, design, development, etc. How do I get them kind of working together, being more empathetic, considering each other's needs and working as a cohesive team, which is a really good question. Yeah, um, it is. And, it, you know, it's a tough one, isn't it? 
It is tough. Yeah, there are challenges I find working within a team um, for um, you know people not to get siloed into thinking you know I'm just working on this and I don't need to consider you know where that goes next. Um, it's kind of you know when is it done? It's not done when you finish your bit of work on it, but when it's kind of signed off by the client. And there's a lack of sort of sometimes awareness around you know who is in that um, process with you and you know what they might be doing um i think you know project managers and designers often work on many projects in a day and Mm. um you know developers often talk about context switching being hard um but the majority of the work um we have you know it's unusual for a developer to be switching to another project during the same day um they're normally working on sort of one project um maybe peer reviewing on another um but you know project managers and designers often have to be switching between meetings um and changing context as well and it's kind of having that awareness for the whole team um but i guess it comes down to kind of i think leading with empathy and demonstrating the behaviors you expect to see in the rest of your team Mm. and um i've run a couple of good retrospectives at the start of projects um about kind of what um, others can expect of you and what you expect of them and just making that really explicit you know in my role and um, within this team this is what I expect of you and this is what you can expect of me in return mm-hmm. and I think that makes it um, really good to know where people stand in the project and where there's um, blurred lines for example you know normally on a, a client call um, I would um, be taking client notes and that's fine for people to expect that I'm doing that but I think as you know a person who's not a technical project manager there might be some um you know technical bits and pieces that are covered in that meeting and i would expect you know the tech lead or the the lead dev on the project to be capturing those um requirements and then feeding them back to me um and it's kind of that kind of thing you know sometimes there's blurred lines where people think well you know it's the pm's role to capture notes whereas i might be thinking you know let's use our skills to the best of our um ability and there might be certain things where lines are a bit more blurred um and Mm. you can actually help each other out a bit more um but I think it's quite an interesting. Do you do you do? Sorry to interrupt. Do you do daily stand-ups we at do, White October? We do, yeah. Because I I think that's a very good mechanism for getting people to think about each other's jobs because you've got that kind of well for a start you're saying what you're doing <laughs> but also there's that kind of barrier bit and I think the barrier bit you know what barriers are you facing is quite a good one for making people think about what other people need to do their jobs yeah no i Uh think that really helps you know give a bit more context to what people are working on and when they're blocked how other people can sort of remove that block that it's a block for the team rather than for the individual um do you have your teams physically sitting together so so are people sitting via disciplines or are they sitting via projects if that makes sense um projects so we're yeah Yeah. cross-functional team so we'll sit on a pod together um normally with a couple of developers a designer pm tester and am because that makes a huge difference as well yeah it it? does you can speak like that and I think retrospectives are a really great tool at the end of um, kind of sprints or packages of work um, to reflect um, together as a team kind of what went well, um, what you know, where could we be improving, where we're interacting with each other um, and collecting events during that kind of sprint or period of work where team members have felt like frustrated or um you know cross or like sad where those interactions have fallen down um and we've also brainstormed as a team like what good and bad behaviors um look like um within that team so kind of highlighting a desirable trait that they see in themselves that they'd want the rest of the team to exhibit and then one which is obviously harder to admit to but something they see in themselves which um or in other people um in the team that if you know it was got we got rid of it that it would be for the greater good of the team um and Mm -hmm. it it it, like makes people be vulnerable um in terms of you know admitting to stuff that they know you know being late to scrum or um not asking a designer to review their um front end after it's ready for review or things like that um 
but it really helps to know um, you know what people find difficult um, and how we can help each other out to sort of be a better team mm. and you really have to recognize that pe- people are very different as well and uh, that you know, some some people are highly emotional others don't care what you say to them um, and it's being able that that's one of the hardest things of management um, but I, I mean I love, love the idea of what you just said about um, having a workshop where you can get people to kind of like say all the things they do like about themselves and things they don't because I think that's a really nice way of dealing with what, what I'm talking about but I think you have to accept that some people will deal with that a lot you know just just that process they'll deal deal with better than others uh, yeah just, for some people it make them feel yeah. very uncomfortable exactly um, yeah. Yeah. how do you stop a retrospective like that turning into a bitching and moaning session about each other um, or, a, or, or are British people just too polite to do that? I think we are normally too polite. But, yeah, <laughs> we, we're very careful in retrospectives that um, you, know, you never name an individual. It's not about, about an individual okay. per se. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't be like, uh, Paul, I'd really like you to stop doing that because it really bugs me. Um, but it's like, you know, <laughs> it would take a, when... It would be a very long meeting if you went down all the things <laughs> that bug you. Yeah. yeah, but you of of course you have to be sensitive to, you know, people. Some people engage with these type of activities a lot better than others, um, and mm. to find the right balance. You know, you wouldn't want to end each event with something as intense as that. But every once in a while, to kind of check in where people are at, especially if you feel in the team there's a niggle um, amongst you know one or two people, um, that could be easily fixed with a sort of honest upfront conversation or mm. something geared towards um, talking about that particular issue is sometimes really useful i've also found that the probably the best thing for um encouraging teams and making them feel good um is take them out for a nice dinner and get them food yeah and food is always good <laughs> <laughs> the answer to all problems yeah. take them out uh, alcohol helps as well Absolutely. i've got to say you know as far as getting teams to to you know let down some of the barriers between them and get them interacting with one another just not too much there's a tipping point isn't there where <laughs> it, it goes from yeah everybody loves one another to everybody hates one another and that can only be that can be as little as a pint sometimes but there you go um okay we ought to move on to the final question because we spent far too long on the first one um what are effective teams doing to ensure that everyone has access to company-wide information and resources so i mean earlier you this is from prescott by the way thank you prescott earlier you talked about for example those live case studies yeah um there's also things like statement of work um you know other documentation other information related to a to a, a, a project how do you share all of those internally within white october um, yeah, I guess there's a couple of ways. Um, so we have a, a physical backlog, um, kind of a business roadmap on the wall, um, okay. which other people can add to like the to-do column. Um, yeah. So it could be something, you know, noticed about um, the culture or something more practical about, um, you know, um, the office. And it can go on that board um, and then, you know, the management team will review that board weekly. Um, and there's that visibility to the rest of the company of what the priorities are, what people are working on. And that's also communicated um, every month. We have something called First Friday, which is just a share for um, a opportunity to, for people to get together in the company to share what they've been working on and um, mm-hmm. so sometimes it'll be demos or presentations talks um, and we'll have pizza and we'll break for a couple of hours in the middle of the day together as a team and we have a part of that um, which is um, a vision for the next quarter so um, not every month um, but once a quarter the the management team will get up and talk about kind of um, the priorities um, for each person in that management team what they're going to be working on so you know people um, have an awareness of what's going on Um, and we have um, a weekly ops meeting um, which is um, a sort of combination of project managers AMs and then members of the management team Um, and we were doing that for about a year um, and have a retrospective at the end of each of those meetings when someone mentioned you know why don't we invite someone um, who doesn't need to come to this meeting the opportunity to come in and sit and observe and write kind of a high-level report on what was discussed and what people were talking oh. about. Um, and then they share that with the rest of the company. And we've been doing that ever since. Um, some people enjoy that more than others. <laughs> it's quite a long meeting. Um, but um, 
that was really good that people sort of came into the meeting um, and will be able to share in their sort of own um, language, um, you know, what projects people were working on, what projects were, um, you know, uh, going well and which projects we were working on because there were particular sort of difficulties. Um, and uh, so the combination of kind of that monthly update um, and uh uh, the head of client services in that um, monthly update um, does kind of uh, a roadmap of what we've been working on in that month, um, what projects have gone live, and then we normally all the project managers put in um, either screencasts or um, uh, screenshots of the projects, and sometimes we'll demo those. Um, and I think having frequent demos actually of the work you do, um, mm. so you know, have a demo slot and open it up to other teams to drop in and see what's going on on your project. I think that's a really nice thing to do. Mm. I mean, I have a standing um, thing in the the calendar where people know it's you know four o'clock every Thursday, um, and you can drop in, you know, not necessarily to give feedback on the on the project or what um, people are working on, but just to know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a nice thing to do. Wow. That was a really good answer to that question. <laughs> what you didn't, the only thing you didn't mention is, is are there any tools that you use in terms of software, et cetera, for communicating? Do you have any kind of intranet or we, file we, sharing system or whatever? Yeah, we use Google Drive um, right. predominantly for sort of sharing files. Um, and we also use um, Jira as a sort of um, project management tool. Um, I know you can um, get something called Confluence, which is um, mm-hmm. uh, a Jira sort of add-on for documentation, which a lot of project managers use and say it's it's very good. Um, uh, yeah, and we've got sort of a company, Internet, and we use Slack very heavily for project communication. Um, yeah. But yeah, the majority of files are um, on Google Drive and, you know, that works for us. They're accessible to everyone. And um, So how do you get on with Jira? Because I have to say... I didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's a beast of a product, and I yeah. guess that's um, a good thing and also a bad thing. Um, like, you can customise nearly everything in it, um, and, you know, the more you do that, the more of a headache it's become in my experience. <laughs> yeah. um, so we've created, like, a White October standard workflow, um, standard right. project setup, and um, that means we can set up a you know cl- new client or project in about five minutes um, rather than... Um, you know, when we were first using it, everything seemed to take ages to do. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of painful to use. But now we've got that kind of set up. Um, it's fairly streamlined. Um, and we do find the backlog feature really useful in terms of um, managing um, user stories with our clients mm-hmm. and sort of prioritizing it and being able to uh, attach files and comment in it um so yeah i'm not saying um it's loved by the project managers um as a tool in itself but um how we use it um it's working well for us i think um we don't always use it so for smaller projects we are a big fan of trello which is obviously Mm -hmm. a lot more lightweight Mm. um but um yeah for the larger software builds um it's a bit more um robust I think it. I think it basically just offended my design sensibilities. <laughs> it's not. It's not the most user friendly of applications, is it? No, it but, isn't. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it kind of very much depends on who's using it and how. It's you know, yeah, like any tool. Talking of tools, um, let's uh, move on to our final sponsor of the day, which is Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is a leading multi-channel commerce software trusted by over 275,000 merchants and it can do absolutely everything that your business owners are going to need from selling online to selling in store which I wasn't aware of and on the go so it's got integration directly to enable you to sell on Twitter or Pinterest or Facebook but it's also got point of sale systems to sell in bricks and mortar stores um, it's easy to use it's got a great back-end interface so the merchants can manage their stores all on their own without having to disturb you as the developer talking of developers shopify has invested heavily in its partner program for freelance designers developers consultants agencies or anyone really that builds e-commerce websites for clients 
So they have made it really simple to get up and running with Shopify and you can build your custom themes using HTML, CSS, JavaScript and Shopify's easy to use template language which is called Liquid and it really is very straightforward to use. Shopify's partner program provides you with loads of free resources, um, including a dedicated partners blog. They do webinars, of which I have done a couple in the past. Um, I've also written articles for them, actually. Um, and there's all kinds of help to find new clients and grow your business as well. So they want you to be a success, obviously, so that you sign up um, and build more websites through them. So they give you loads of help and support to grow your business. Um, you'll also receive a dedicated partner manager who's your kind of point of contact. Anytime you've got any questions or need help closing a deal or anything else, they can give you all the advice and support you need. And as a designer or a developer, you can make real money um, with Shopify's partner program because you get a revenue sharing model. So it's really worth considering. You can earn money by referring clients, building stores and building themes or apps for Shopify as well. Um, and it's a great way to create that kind of passive income for designers and front-end developers or even agencies because um, it's money that just will keep coming in without you having to do a lot of development work for it. You can sign up for the Shopify partner program and I would highly encourage you to do it. It's, you know, it's no big deal doing it and you can do that at boag.world forward slash Shopify. Okay, so that about wraps it up for this week holly i'm sorry the downside of being on this show is you now have to endure marcus's joke yeah i did think to myself right who tells the silliest jokes and it's got to be tim vine so i've looked up some tim vine jokes start i don't even know who tim vine is oh. i admit i have not come across <laughs> his name before either he's See? um what's he been in he's on the oh one second quickly He's been on a... Is he a comedian? He's a comedian, yes. Uh, he, he's in a TV show with... Uh, what's his name? I'll probably recognise his face. Uh, not, oh, not going yeah. out. He's in Not Going Out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. As, and I've seen him on some panel shows before. Yeah. Anyway, he, he is the, the king of the silly wordplay joke. Okay. Which are kind of my kind of thing. Yeah. So here we go, starting with... He said, I'm going to chop off the bottom of one of your trouser legs and put it in a library. I thought, that's a turn-up for the books. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite good. Yeah, that is. I quite like that There one. are many, many more. It's a, it's a, a golden thing. Yeah, why, why do you not use more from the, uh, from the bad jokes part of our Slack channel? I, I did use a few. I like, what's the difference between a rhino and a zippo? A zippo is a little lighter. <laughs> That's good. Yes. And, then, and, go. and one that I submitted myself. Yeah, we'll go. yeah here we go. This is, now you'll know why I don't. A, a man tried to sell me a coffin today. I told him it was the last thing I need. <laughs> See? You, you, or, or, or I like this one. Merlin, to celebrate ret the return of your quest... Um, we give you this round table, my lord. Arthur replies, cool, who made it? Merlin replies, circumference. That's just awful. That's, in, that's my level, actually, yes. Yeah. There you go. See? Anyway. Uh, you wasted Holly, so many jokes there. You used, used up three jokes. You see, I've... Cause I don't like care. Because you weren't going to use them. Jokes. Two, of those, two of those jokes were submitted by me, which, let's face it, you're never going to use on principle. <laughs> no, you, le you learn to, to, to be sparing with them. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I've just blown through yeah. the supply. So, Holly, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank really you. useful, really good stuff there. I really appreciate it. And hopefully you'll join us again um, soon. And it wasn't too painful an experience. No, thank you very much. And thanks for doing a series on everything um, PM. That's great. Woohoo! Yeah, let's celebrate those PMs. Yeah. Just a reminder that talking of being sparing, um, we, we need more questions, people. This is getting serious now. I'm, get, I'm running low. So you can submit questions either by emailing me at paul at boagworld.com or by going to boag.world forward slash questions and submitting them as comments there. Um, so, Holly, I expect you to go away and submit a question, please. I will. 
It's your it's your penance for being on the show. <laughs> Next week, and it's really good because you can create some really hard Tricky questions yeah. for the upcoming guests. All the ones I avoided. Yeah, absolutely. So next week we're going to be joined by Carson Pierce, who is going to suffer the wrath of Holly's questions. Um, but until then, thank you very much for joining us, Holly, and thank you for joining us, dear listener. We will return again next week. Goodbye. Oh,